If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 26 as we continue. As the Lord's willing, we'll close this series tonight, today as we move into next week being Christmas Sunday and into the, end of, and the beginning of a new season, a new year. I think this thought is something that can be actually communicated even not only in this moment, in this time, but in this season as we move into a new year. We've been talking about Isaac and the wells of Abraham and the importance of the experiences. Abraham had learned from heaven. He had the wisdom of God on the importance of digging a well, which to us at this stage of society doesn't seem like a big thing, but it was revolutionary in his time. I'm telling you, God is not done birthing revolutionary ideas into the hearts of his people. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yes. If all we know is just what's been done historically, you'll miss out on God speaking to you in the moment yeah. currently. Because God is not done giving his people revolutionary ideas. Amen. Proverbs says that wisdom gives people ideas of witty inventions. God knows how to do creative things. No matter what business field you're in, well, I'm a doctor. Well, he can show you how to do it better. Yeah. They're always learning. Hopefully, they're always learning. Sales, stay at home. It don't matter. Whatever you do, whatever you put your hands to, do it as unto the Lord. And you're allowing God to speak into you a way of doing it. Maybe no one's ever even written a book about. Amen. 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 So for them, it was a revolutionary idea because now all of a sudden, those who owned livestock, whatever it might be, before, they had to move around every day in that area to find water to keep the animals alive. But because they moved around every day to find water to survive, all of a sudden, what happens to livestock when you walk all day? You get skinny. God gave them an idea where they didn't have to work every day to survive, a system that allowed them to flourish. Man, I feel a pause there. Some of us are trapped into the world system of doing things. And the world's system of doing things will get you in the mindset of struggling just to survive. Where God's system is a system causing you to do something, to work, but not to survive, but to flourish. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? If I can be so bold to even say, and part of this, and we're not taking up another offering, part of that is how you handle your finances in management and budget and spending, but also in sowing and reaping, tithes, offering, alms, seed, but see, it got quiet. I'm not even doing a message on giving, so just chill out with your checkbook and wallet. And, and we don't believe on enforcing guilt to get people to give. We believe in speaking the word as people wake up to what God has for them and then walk out the process. But God has all different types of systems to allow us to flourish, not to get stuck in the man's system, the human system, the way everybody else is trending system just to survive. But I'll be honest with you, the people at the top, they want everybody, they want us all to stay in that system of trying to survive because they work by a different system that's not a godly system that allows them to flourish while everybody else is just trying to pay rent and get ahead and develop security. Can I get an amen? Okay, let's get back. So Isaac planted his crops that year and he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. And he became very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow, and he, he acquired so many flocks 
of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. Notice this. God blessed him to the point that the Philistines, those outside the covenant, were jealous of Isaac. I pray that God would bless you so that the sinners become jealous of you. Do you hear me? This is not for greed. This is not for vanity. I think it's high time that the church begins to wake up and step into who we're called to be. And instead of us watching sinners on TV and being jealous of what they're driving and living and having and spending, instead of we need to get to where the world is looking at you and saying, how in the world are you doing that? It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean you have to have a Bentley. We need to get some balance into what a blessing is. But it does mean, and the Bible's very specific, that not only your needs met, but that you have the ability to be a blessing on every opportunity God brings you. People say, I don't believe in prosperity. Well, the Bible talks about increase. The kingdom of God is about increase. You seek God, he's going to reward you. But they only see it because they think that it's only about greed. That's because they come from a place and perspective of greed. Did you hear me? Because they know what they would have done if they had that money. Put money in the right person's hands who has the right heart. You know what they begin to think of? Who can I bless? How can I get the gospel out? How can I make a difference? How can I bring increase in somebody else's life? Okay, that went over real well. So the Philistines became jealous of him. You know what? We, get, we have to get past our society trend where we want everybody to like us, follow us, subscribe to us, thumbs up, positive comments. Because it's a good thing when the enemy's jealous of you. Wants what God's doing in your life. Because it creates an opportunity, at minimum, creates an opportunity for them to hear the conversation about Jesus. When they want to know why your sales are bigger than anybody else in the company. Do you hear me? We have sometimes created spiritual things so different than what it's entitled or defined by the word of God that we think spiritual stuff is what happens on Sunday and the real stuff in the world happens on Monday. And I'm telling you, the the hand of blessing of God can come on your life. That you are blessed even on Monday and on Tuesday. That doesn't mean you float around and don't do anything. That's a wrong teaching. Faith without works is dead. Am I helping somebody? But you work hard, you obey God, and watch how God creates opportunities and gives you ideas. And all of a sudden, you begin to see yourself flourish where everybody else is struggling. And in the famine, Isaac was blessed to the point. How many people want to be so blessed that your your neighbors that don't know Jesus get jealous of you? Come on, somebody. Father, bless everybody whose hands raised. Nobody whose hands just showed up, but the ones who were there quick. I ain't messing with you today. You either come or you go, but don't be in that middle ground. I got a scripture. Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Don't be playing in that middle warm, lukewarm water. You're either in the boat with me or you're out the boat. But don't be, don't be dead weight. I got to drag while we're rowing. So the Philistines filled up. Someone was like, wow, that was harsh. Oh, lighten up. So the Philistines filled, all the eyes, uh, filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. This is a New Living Translation. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. We talked about defending the wells. What are those experiences, those truths, that revelations that many times have been handed down to us from other generations that have paid the price to experience God? And even sometimes things that we have paid the price and experienced God through prayer and fasting and worship and reading the word that we've received, if we're not careful, years go by and we stop saying and believing what we once 
once believed and said. We'll stand up at one time in the area of our life, and then 10 years later, where are you? Well, I don't believe that anymore. Well, why? Is that still in the Word, or that they changed the Bible for us? Well, you know, I was talking to somebody, and they kind of, well, you allowed them to fill your well with dirt. Don't let people pollute your well. Keep everything aligned with the Word of God. Say, defend the well. Verse 16. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Think about it. So jealous that they said, you got to get out. Go somewhere else. He said, for you have become too powerful for us. How many people want to be in a place that they even try to get you to move because you're just too doggone powerful? Come on, somebody. (laughs) We won't go there. I'm just going to, okay. Moving right along. Moving right along. Verse 17. So Isaac moved away from away to Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down, and he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled after Abraham's death. So he began to redig the wells. We talked about that last week. Begin to let the Lord show you what wells, what truths you need to get back into the Word and saturate your mind and heart with the Word and prayer and fasting in areas that you once believed or you enjoyed the benefit of, even though you didn't have the revelation of. Because Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord and the things revealed belong to us and our children. You can get a revelation on financial blessing and the blessing of God in balance. My friend, let me just encourage you. This has been ingrained in me my whole life, but I I just want to make sure I overemphasize this. Always work with the balance. Go in the middle of the road. Balance. Don't go to extremes. Those who live on the extremes usually fall in the ditch somewhere. Keep every truth balanced. But you can, re, you can get access to the truth and the revelation of financial bless, blessing and sowing and reaping and begin to see it operate in your life. Your kids don't know it, but they experience the benefit of it. Right. Exactly. Right? And they can grow up around it, knowing it, but yet not have a handle on it themselves. Right. And so that's why it's important for us just not to enjoy the benefits of things that we have experienced from our parents or grandparents, but begin to say, I need that revelation in my life. Because otherwise, the parents are gone. Go to heaven. Live a full life in Jesus' name. And the kids are sitting around saying, man, I wish it was a lot better when mom and dad were around. Wonder what they did different. See, they don't know what the well was because they were just enjoying the benefit. Are you listen to me? Man, I need, my, I need grandma around. She used to pray for me when I was sick. It's good that grandma can pray for you. But it's another thing you dig, redig the well so that you can have a revelation of healing. Amen. No, I am not saying it's wrong to ask people to pray for you. That's not what I said. Stay in the middle of the road, for those who just thought that. But it's another thing to not drink from the water of somebody else's cup, but to drink from the revelation of your own cup that God's given you. You've become too powerful for us. You know what? Let me throw this at you, too, as we're just going down this little journey of the verses. When you begin to walk through the process of God... If it's financial blessings, healings, peace, or joy, not everybody's going to want to go on the journey. Right. You have to be okay with that. Yes. Don't, let, don't let separation of those type of relationships cause you to feel rejection, even though that's a tactic of the devil. You'll start to feel rejected. Oh, I, they don't want me around them. No, it's not because they don't want you around them because they don't love you. You intimidated them because of the goodness of God, because it brings the light where you shine. What's that old poem? If you dim your light, it doesn't help anybody out. You shine. You be the best you. You let God 
Romans 8, you begin to grow into the image of Christ. And if that light that Jesus called us to be causes other people to say, listen, you know, I used to be able to hang. You used to be a lot more fun back in the day. Whatever they might say. And they begin to push away and say, we don't want you around. We're not inviting you to the party. Emotionally, you might feel a little pain, but celebrate. Because Jesus said, great is the reward for those who are being treated wrongly because they're doing the right thing. Can I get an amen? Not everybody can go on the journey with you. Say, not everybody can go on this journey. We love everybody. You love people, but it's okay. And maybe the separation will cause them to wake up and they'll call you one day and say, you know what? I've noticed that this thing's working for you. And the way I was doing life is not working for me. I need to find out what you were doing. And God can use that to bless people. You're t- say, I- say to your neighbor, you're too powerful, you're too powerful. for your enemy. And for some of your neighbors, and maybe some of your family, who knows? We just love people, but we sometimes love them from afar. Back to verse 17 as we all do this verse. So Isaac moved away to Gerar Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. So he set up the tent and settled down, and he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham, Abraham had given them, which I think is an interesting idea. That they waited till Abraham was dead before they filled up the well, and they obviously renamed it. And what you used to call a good thing, the world will call it a bad thing. What you called wisdom and revelation, they'll call foolishness, Corinthians says. What you call powerful, they'll call, that's kind of weird. But we're not letting them name it. Because the moment you let them name it, you give them power over it. Let me clarify. When God created the animals and after he created Adam, what did he do? He gave Adam authority over all the creation. As a result, what did he do? He called Adam out with the animals and said, name them. God did not ask Adam to name them because he could not come up with a creative name. God asked them to name them because he wanted them to know and him to know they're under you. As long as you can't name it, it's not under you. But the moment you give it a name and you name it, it now comes under you. Be careful what you allow people to name. No, I'm not going to let you name that because it's not, it's not your authority. It's my authority. I'm going to name it. And when I name it, then it has to come under the authority that God's given you over that situation. And the Bible says if we are under him, right, under his authority, then everything that has a name. Oh, well, we'll just, we got to move on. You study that on, on your own, okay? And restore the names that Abraham, his father, had given him. Verse 19, Isaac's servants also dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But when the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring, this is our water, they said. Isn't that interesting? They didn't dig. How many people want the benefit of what God's doing in your life, but they don't want to? Okay. That's not fair. They got two promotions in one year, and I haven't had a promotion in 10 years. Well, you maybe you need to check on something. Not... This is not a pie mentality. If someone gets a bigger slice of the pie, that doesn't mean that they're taken from you. That's the, that's the world's mentality. And that's why the world doesn't, that's why people will fight. You got a new car. That's not fair. You got, I haven't had a new car. Never. Go buy yourself a new car. I don't believe I can afford a new car. Well, then start believing the word of God. Start applying the principles of God's word. 
And if you have a used car, that doesn't mean you're a bad person and not following God. I'm just saying, if you're jealous of somebody that God's doing something for, maybe find out what they did to get that water. But the shepherd said, they claimed the spring. Somehow you could tell some people step back. So this is our water. They said, and they argued over it Isaac's herd, with Isaac's herdsman. So Isaac named the well Isaac, which means argument. Are you listening to me? You don't need to argue with the world. So Isaac's men then dug another well. Say, dig another well. Dig another well. <clears throat> oh, you guys are sounding awesome today. Say, dig another well. Dig another well. Oh, now you're just, now you're just showing off. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. You know, when you start digging new wells, not everybody's going to love it. Yeah. Not everybody's happy that you're happy. And that's okay. Has anybody ever experienced that? You were happy what God has just done. Right. And you were so excited to tell someone that you just knew would be happy for you. And yet they weren't happy at all. Mary had to find Elizabeth, not only to help Elizabeth through the process, but have somebody that could connect with what God was doing in Mary. Oh, my God. For Elizabeth said, when I heard your greeting, what God was doing, basically saying it this way, when I heard you greet me, when I heard your words, there was enough anointing on that that the baby on the inside of me begin to leap. You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to find the people in your life that can speak and speak into your life, you speak into theirs, that when they begin to speak, it stirs up the gift of God on the inside of you. It stirs up the anointing on the inside. You don't know what it is, and it's not always something super spiritual or deep revelation they said, but when they begin to speak, it begins to stir you. I've been around people that I walked into conversation feeling great, and I walked out feeling, man, I don't feel great at all anymore. I was all prayed up, spiritually fed, encouraged, and five-minute conversation. We don't need those people in our lives. We want people that you walk away and say, man, I was feeling good, but I feel better now. Why? Because there's a, fr- there's a literal a spiritual frequency because both of them had the similar style and connection and ministry. Mm. Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Where was I? Dig another well. And there was dispute, and he named it Hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on. Say, move on. on. You know, sometimes it's okay. The Bible says, if you go into a house and they don't accept your receiver, just say, shake off the dust. We would call it wash our hands with it. Just don't, you don't need to fight with everybody. You don't need to convince everybody. But I want them to go to heaven. Well, if you're not the one that can reach them, leave them alone. Let me help you out. It might be your spouse. It might be your children. It might be your parents. It might be some, whoever it might be. You want them to see God. You want them to have all that God wants them to have. I mean, as a pastor, I want each and every one of you to not to be shaped by the ideology of man, but I want you to experience all that God has for you. Drink from the wells that God's prepared for you. But not everybody's going to do that. And I don't get mad at them. I have to love them. Okay, because we have to let people walk through the process. And one of the worst things we can do is force God down the throats of people. You know, when you force good food down the throat of people, what happens? They start choking. It's good food. I know, but they're choking. They're turning blue on you. They're passed out on the ground with good food. Because even good food has to be chewed and digested. 
What do you do? The Bible says pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. Pray that God would bring the right people in their life that would say the words in due season. Yes. Things that they need to hear because if we're not, if you're not the person to reach them, let it go. You pray that God would send the right people into their life to reach them. Amen. You, I've had to learn that. If I'm not someone's pastor, I don't get offended. I just love them. That's one less prayer I have to pray. Come on, somebody. That, that's, one less, that's one less crisis I have to pray somebody with. <laughs> it's like if you're handing out money and someone says, I don't like you and I don't like your money. Fine. It's one less person, right? I, I, I've learned, and maybe pray for me if you think I'm wrong, but I, I've learned that if I'm not that person's pastor, I can't be their pastor. Right. To some people, I'm just Greg. Right. To some people, I'm just you. Some people, I'm just beep, 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 and whatever. <laughs> And it's all okay. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, I'm going to find, you want to find another church? Some are, I just say, well, we love you. God bless you. Right. I've had people get mad at me because they tell me they're going to leave the church and they're mad because I didn't get upset and beg them to stay. <laughs> and that's just not my wiring. That's just not my temperament. It don't mean I don't love people. I'm kind of like, well, you know what? I'm so glad you've been with us. We love you. We wish God's blessed, best on you. And you know I mean, see you in heaven. Well, I'll come back ever so often. No, you don't need to do that. Find your place. I've actually told people that. Listen, I love you. But find, if, we're not, if we're not your thing, find your place. Now, I look at, everybody looks at life through a certain lens. I look at it almost like the covenant of, you know I mean, that relationship, even marriage. Can you imagine someone said, I don't love you anymore, and I want a divorce. I found someone down the road I love better, but I'm going to stop in from time to time. <laughs> Because you really make good food. I really like to eat your food. Get to stepping. Right? Don't need to come back. I don't know. I, I, you know. I think I've lost friendships over the years by that mentality. But I've always felt like, you know, once someone comes to me and makes a decision and tells me, I don't feel like it's my prerogative to talk them out of it. I respect them and love them. If they felt like God told me to do this, okay, well, we, we don't want to fight with that. God bless you. Right. Didn't, he must not really love me or want me. He didn't try to, he didn't talk. You told me you were leaving. Right. <laughs> I don't know who that's for. I don't believe it's for anybody. I have, I have nobody in my mind when I say that. <laughs> I, I learned from my dad. If there's ever an issue, I never take it to the pulpit. So if I ever say stuff, I have no, there's no reference to it. Back to Isaac. <laughs> and he called it hostility. That's where we got from that. You'll, as, as you're walking through the journey of life, obeying God, trusting God, and seeing God do the amazing, there's going to be some people that just might not like it. And it's okay. Right. Say it's okay. You okay. can love them, but love them from far. Abandoning that when Isaac moved on and dug another well. Say, dug another well. <laughs> this time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place... Why, do, why does they get these crazy names? You know, I could say anything and none of you would know if it's right or wrong because I don't even know. Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, now I know there is somebody that would know. I, I don't mean to embarrass him here. We, um, I won't draw, I know he's here, but because um, we talked earlier, we have someone who's been attending the services recently and he started by just assisting in our free grocery store. Amazing man, amazing guy. One of probably the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And some of you are thinking, he's talking about me. Probably not. 
I don't want to humble you real quick and pick somebody else, and then you get mad at me, and then we got to, then I got to change the whole message of offense. You know, you know how that goes. Oh, he's talking about me. No, probably not. So I don't, should I tell this story, Jesus? Okay, I'm going to tell it anyway. And so uh, Shana, who's over that ministry, one day I was visiting, uh, watching them all volunteer, and she's like, tell him who you are. And he's Jewish. And uh, he said, well, you know, in my world, you have the, the, the people who come and receive, the volunteers, and the high priest. And in his community, in this area, he's a high priest. So in this house, I won't point him out because I don't want to embarrass him because I didn't ask. So right now, sitting in our service, the great guy is a Jewish high priest. Now, don't look to your neighbor and you, you, because we have to get back to Isaac. I've already done too many rabbit trails, so back to Isaac. And he's a great guy. I just love him. So anyway, abandoning that, when Isaac moved on, oh, Rehoboth, that he, that's why I said his name, because he would know what the actual name means, which means here, open space. For he said, at last the Lord had created, has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. Yeah. At last, God has created. Now, notice the process here. So he's digging the wells of his father. And it becomes so blessed that they begin to create some tension between him and those around him. Yeah. We want what you have. The first group was like, we don't even want you to have it. We're putting dirt in it. The second group is, we want it for ourselves. Right. And Isaac kept making a decision. He could fight it or he could say, you know, I'm going to keep moving on. Because he must have had a revelation that the God who brought the water has enough water below the surface that I can get it somewhere else. Yeah. And so he moved on and dug another well. And that created strife. So he dug another well. And that created strife. And he went and dug another well. And all of a sudden at that place, there was no strife and there was peace. And he began to say, God has created an open space for us. Yeah. We have a big enough place to prosper. You see my point? There's times in every journey you have to find out. There's times that God will want you to stand and fight. And there's times that God wants you to shake the dust off and move on. And he moved to a place that he said, There's a, it's big enough. God has blessed us now with not only the water, but also room for growth. Because what they didn't like was not just him having the water, but that water was connected to his blessing. And they were tired of him doing well, while they did not do well at all. So some people don't want to see you, not because they don't like you or not a good person. It's because what God's doing in your life. And so you got to just move on and dig another well. Say, dig another well. And that's okay. I love you, but okay, I guess we're not going to be hanging out on Thursday nights. So I'm going to go and I'm going to dig another well. I'm going to find what God has for me in this season. And what was in the older season might have been fine in the older season, but now you're not in the older season. Now you're moving into a newer season. And when you step into a newer season of God, sometimes the well has to be redug or a new well dug for you. And you got to say, okay, God, this is a place you brought me. I'm digging a well. Look what God has done. So Isaac, basically, if you want to bring that whole context, you see it played out in the parable that Jesus said in Matthew 13, the sower sows the word. At first phase of our lives, we will find it as we begin to pursue God, opposition. And you have to be willing to say, I'm not going to let the opposition keep me from drinking, even if I have to dig another well. Don't let the pressure of the problems or people keep you from drinking what God has for you. They don't want to agree. That's fine. They laughed at Jesus one day when he went into a house and the child was dead. And he said, don't worry. The, she, the, the child is fine. She's sleeping. She's not dead. And the Bible says an interesting thing. They laughed him to scorn. I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to do is stand before Jesus as those people who laughed at him yes. when he was on the earth. Yeah. 
They lapped him to scorn. And the Bible says that he did an interesting thing, but he didn't just say, watch this and do the miracle. He put them out of the room. Sometimes it's okay to put those people out of the space where you're believing God to do the impossible. Not everybody needs to be invited into the room. The second level was the blessing. Now all of a sudden, Isaac goes from the opposition and pressure of finding water to now he's in a place where he's got the water and there's no pressure and he has plenty of room. But in this next verse, Isaac does something very unusual. He does not stay at the place of blessing. It's not that the blessing is wrong. Are you listening to me? It's because there's something greater than just the blessing. So here he's dealing with problems. Now he's moved into the place of blessing. Let me say it, let me break it down and say it differently. For some people, they only go to church when they are facing a crisis. I pray when I run, have a major problem. Some people, their only time they are dealing is when they're having a problem. Some people, they're going for prayer because they want God to bring them to the next season. And the, neither one of them are wrong. Do you see that? Stay in the middle of the road. But I'm saying there's something in this story and something within the scriptures that we begin to see that there's even greater than God who delivers you from the fire and the God who gives you a raise. Come on, somebody. I need to talk to somebody today. Because the people that struggle with the problems, if the problem takes too long, they can turn their back on God because they're using God as a slot machine of getting something. I need this, so fix it. And you didn't fix it long enough, so I'm leaving you. And the reason they're leaving them is because they have not understood the God that we're talking about in a few seconds. I almost gave my story away. So he is a God who answers. He's a God who delivers. But that's not the limitation of all that he can do. And there's some people who pursue God because they're looking for a better life. And there's nothing wrong with that, John 10, 10. God doesn't mind you having stuff. He doesn't want stuff to have you. Right. So in verse 23, from there it says, Isaac moved. And I have to ask myself, Isaac, what are you doing? Why are you moving now? You just had battles and arguments and strife and all this hassle because of what God was doing. And you finally get to a place of peace and the blessing and the room for growth. Why now? Why would you move? And notice, from there, Isaac moved to Beersheba where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. When did the Lord appear? Talk to me. We're closing this. We're trying to land here. If you don't, if, if you don't keep that same energy as you had, see, I told you, you're sewn off at the beginning. Now I expect that from you right now. Otherwise, we are going to just circle the airport a little bit. You say, how long does that take? I don't know. God had Israel circling promised land for 40 years. Don't mess with me. I have an app that can send me food anytime. I will outlast you. Where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. 
God appeared to him on the night of his arrival. He moved even away. It doesn't mean he, he disrespected or didn't like or, or thought it was wrong. No, he had the place of blessing. He had a place of provision. He had a place of growth, but he chose there's something else beyond that. And a lot of Christians, all they want is that place of comfort. God, I need you to bring me to a place of kumbaya. I want to sit and chill out and enjoy the rest of my life. But something on the inside of Isaac, and it doesn't articulate it here, but we see through the New Testament. Something on the inside of Isaac caused him to say, even from this great place, I'm going for the greater. And when he began to step into the next level, the next place, what did God do? God responded and began to speak to him that very night. Notice this in closing as this pattern is unfolded. And God said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Now we're getting ownership. He's just not the God of Abraham. Later, he's known as God of Abraham and Isaac, and later Jacob. I am the God of your father Abraham. That's a covenant response. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you, and I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. And I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac, notice the response here. In close, notice in verse 25. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. And he set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. Notice this. He built an altar. An altar represents several things. One, obviously, it's going to take some energy, but it represents a moment of impact. When God would do something that impacted their lives, they would create an altar. It was a place of, I've been impacted by God. It was also a sign of, I am creating a place for remembrance. I want to remember this. So every time I walk by, I can say, remember the time God did that. Do you know what struggles with Israel when they were leaving is they kept forgetting what God had done. Do you know what hurts Christians in their growth and advancements next season is they are not grateful. They forget what God had done behind them and as they stand against the fiery furnace or the wall of impossibility. But I tell you, you have to have places in your life that remind you of what God has done. I don't care if it's a picture. I don't care if it's a note. I don't care if it's a journal. I don't care if you write it in your Bible. Have something. It's a practical application to a spiritual connection, have things in your life that reminds you of what God has done because the tactic of the enemy, he's a deceiver and he tries to get people to forget what God has done so that you think you're out there on your own. But when you have, when you have an altar and you walk by and say, I remember you come through that chapter again and it's written down where God healed you or delivered you or saved you or protected you. And you can remember, thank you, Father, for that time. I, that, that altar is a point of remembrance remembrance. God said in his word, remind ye me of my word. Why? Because it's not he forgets. We forget. It's a place of honor, of impact. That's a place where God's impacted my life. It's a place of remembrance. That's something I do not want to forget in my life. You know what happens when we take things flippantly? We forget them. You lighthearted with the things of God. Yeah, that was a kind of cool thought. Yeah, you'll forget it. That's the strategy of the devil. Because if you forget it, you won't remember. If you don't remember, you can't have hope for it. If you don't have hope for it, you won't have faith for it. You don't have faith for it. You can't receive it. Hebrews 6, 12 and Hebrews 11, 33. And Hebrews 11, 1. And it's a place of worship. 
It wasn't a place of let's sing kumbaya and a song worship. It was a place of get the best, kill it, burn it on the sacrifice that there is nothing more important than you. It symbolized what the father was going to do through his son. Because he didn't put the least, he put the best. It was an altar place for worship. In the Old Testament, what we miss out before the cross, at the Old Testament, something unique would happen on the altar. If the sacrifice, the sacrifice was accepted, it would be consumed by fire from heaven. You know, Cain killed Abel. How did they know one, sacri- or one offering was acceptable and one wasn't? Because one was smoking and had fire, the other one had nothing. You can preach and sound like a preacher. You can talk and sound like a Christian. But there's a difference between if you have fire or if you just have sound. We are moving in the last of the last days, and it's the time is moving so fast. And what we have to realize that just showing up ever so often and trying to be an accommodating Christian to everybody and keep everybody happy will not help you to live the life that God has for you. You have to be at a place that, Lord, I need you. Isaac experienced God that night. He needed, he realized the importance, and he built an altar. He put his tent up. Notice this, and they set up camp, and he dug another well. Why do I end with that? Notice all the wells he dug before, he dug by his choice. Let's dig a well. This time, he dug by revelation. God, you have done something amazing in my life. I'm digging a well right here. He dug a well. Why? Because he wanted the presence of God. I'm reminded out of the scripture where Moses, and God told Moses, listen, I'm going to send my angel with you. He's going to lead you all into the promised land. Check it out. And and Moses spoke up and said, God, what separates us, your people, from all the other nations of the world? Is it not that your presence is with us? Is it not that your presence is with us? God, what separates me from everybody else who's a heathen, an atheist, agnostic in my place that I work? Is it just because what I do on Sunday? Is it just because I give money? What separates you from the people that don't know them is the presence of God in your life. And Moses said to God, I love you and I thank you for the promise, but if you don't go, we don't want to go in either. Have a heart for the presence of God. The God, I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how long I prayed for it. If it means without you, I do not want it. And there'll be times that you got to step out of a good place. A great place to get to a greater place. But the question is not if that was good or bad. The question is, are you pursuing God? God, I want your presence. Without your presence, I don't want to go. We will stay out here and we will walk one more time around that mountain. And if you still aren't willing to go, we'll walk around again. But we refuse the promise without the promiser. Church, God's called us to a level of living where we get to a place of God. I want your blessing, but I don't want it without the blesser. And if I have to change my, my ideas, if I have to change my convictions, if I have to change my ethics, if I have to be something, uh, God, you didn't call me to be to get to the blessing, I don't want it. 
I want your blessing, I, but I want your presence. I want, that, I want that increase, but I want your presence. I want that success, but I want your presence. I want that healing, but I want your presence. I want that marriage, but I want your presence. You got to get to say, look, I love that person. If you're single and you're looking to get married, you got to get to the place in your life. Say, I love them, and it seems so good, but God, I want your presence more than I even want to be married, more than I want kids, more than I want success. You got to get to this sounds so foreign to the average Christian, but I know we're not talking to average Christians today because it'll burn within your spirit of having a place in your life, a place with God that you love his presence so much that nothing, nothing compares to him. It doesn't mean you have to go quit, you have to go do something stupid, but I'm telling you, you get to the place of God. I want you to know I love you more than anything. When we begin to dig the wells, not where we choose that looks good. Because the first two times, every time he chose a place, he got an argument. Third time he chose a place, well, one out of three is not bad. He found a place that there was no argument, but it wasn't until he got to the place where God spoke. And you know what happens when God spoke? They don't mention the people anymore. The enemies aren't even in the story at that point. The first two times the enemy was in there complaining. The third time he's like, the enemy's not here. Praise God, well, this is good. Fourth time is we don't even talk about the enemy anymore. As long as we're talking about the enemy, we're making him a little more or her a little more important than God. All of a sudden, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's doing. It's all about what he's saying. Are you with me, church? If you believe that, at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet and begin to give him the loudest praise. Lord, I choose you. You are the most important, and I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to praise you when it's good. I'm going to praise you when it's bad. I'm going to shout a praise against the walls of Jericho. I'm going to praise you when I've got wild water. I'm going to praise you when I'm walking to it. I'm going to praise you because he is worthy of all our praise. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. With every head bowed, as you stay, stay standing, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, you do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you if you know about God, I'm asking you, is Jesus Christ real to you in a way that you know for yourself that he's real and your Lord and Savior? Only you can answer that. This is not pomp and circumstance. This is not trying to prove a point. This is we want you to experience this Jesus that we're talking about. More than a Sunday service, more than a be a better person plan, the reality of salvation. Your sin's forgiven. Your heart is open to him. The, that weight of the sin is off. No condemnation. He loves you so much. You maybe have rejected him a thousand times, but right now, today, in this moment, he's still there. But the word of God tells us that it won't always be that way. There is a time where that door is going to be closed, and at that time, it's too late. This is your day of salvation, the Bible says. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you do not have a real relationship with him or for whatever reason you've allowed stuff to come between you and God and you know your heart's not right, at the count of three, I want, we're going to pray a prayer. I want you to just follow this prayer. Let it come from your heart. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is, you are saved by grace through faith. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Jesus' name, amen.